Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Today, really, we entered into the presence of God in worship. We entered into just not even singing a song, just worshiping before him, just singing Jesus, I love you. And it's not a real song, um, but, it's, but it's a song from the heart. It's something that's glowing from your heart. It's something that's, 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 that's emanating. And, you know, I mean, I sang a hymn, and I can't really sing, but we just, it, it doesn't matter at that point. It's not about the lights. It's not about the haze. Uh, it's not about the lasers. It's, it's about the presence of God. This is, by the way, this is the real important thing. Notice in, in all of God's tabernacle that he instructed Moses to build, he, he had a lot of things that were there, you know, for visual um, stimulation. There's a lot of beauty, there's sights and smells and sounds, but they were all not just to uh, stimulate people, they were all to direct people and point people towards something. So if the music doesn't point you toward Jesus... If the songs don't point you toward Jesus, then, then we're wasting our time. This is not what it's supposed to be for. Because sometimes you can have church, and then sometimes you can have church. And uh, the difference, the difference is, is pronunciation, you know. But uh, no, no, the, the difference is the presence of God. That when God shows up, see, like, here's the deal. Like, God, God told him to build all this stuff, but the most important part of this is the Ark of the Covenant right over here, which is the presence of God. The presence of God is what validated everything else. The presence of God is what gives significance to everything else. So going to church, reading your Bible, praying, going to small groups, doing religious activities are all good and well, and there's some benefit to it. But what gives significance to all of that is the presence of God. So it is, it is the parts of you. There are three parts to the courtyard. Uh, there's the outer courtyard, and this is, by the way, this is symbolic. Last week I talked about the three heavens, and that got really deep, and so I'm not going to jump back into that. That's the macro level, but at the micro level, this, this whole tabernacle, is, so we'll zoom in with the magnifying glass, is really a picture of, of Christ. It's his body. So his outer court, right, is robed in white. It's, he lived a perfect life, sinless life. Jesus was, he was tempted just like we are in every way, actually, Interestingly enough, every sexual sin, Jesus was tempted by it. Every perversion, Jesus was tempted by it. Jesus was tempted to steal. He was tempted to lie. He was tempted to cuss. He was tempted in every way that we are, but without sin, which means he chose a different course, a different path. That's why this whole thing is outlined in white, because Christ's outer court was pure. Christ's outer court was holy. Not only that, but the, in the outer court, we have the altar, which is, signifies the blood, and then we have the water. So it was in Christ's outer court that he was baptized in the River Jordan by John, and it was in Christ's outer court that he paid the penalty, the price. He, 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 was, he, he, he offered up as himself an atonement for our sin. And by the way, this isn't only representative of Jesus' body, this is also your body. It is, it is in the outer court that we are baptized. It is in the outer court that we are washed. Our hands and our feet are cleansed by the washing of the word. It is in the outer court that we sacrifice. All of your sacrifices happen in the outer court. Like when we fasted 21 days, prayer and fasting, that was totally hurting the outer court. There's a lot of blood in the outer court. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of bleeding animals. There's a lot of pain in the outer court. And that's true of fasting. That's true of tithing. Like when you write that check, 
Your outer court is like, no, but we could, we could, we could get those new shoes with that. We could, there's all this stuff you could do for the outer court, make it look better, make it smell better, make it drive better. Come on, somebody, you go faster. In the, if, but, but you give to God. All sacrifices come from the outer court. That's where sacrifice happens. All washing happens in the outer court. That's where purification and purity, that's where people see the change and the difference in your life. It's all in the outer court. But there's more to you, and there was more to Jesus than the outer court. There was this inner place right here, which is totally covered. It's hidden. So it's got walls around it, not curtains, and it's got a top on it. So it's completely hidden. There's a part of you and I that's completely hidden. And that's the part that was worshiping Jesus today. Because there's outer court worship, which is, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. 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 How many times are we going to sing this? You never stop. How many times are we going to sing it? There's, there's, there's outer court worship. Which is what you're doing right now. You came and you sat down. Your outer court gave up stuff out there that you could be doing on Sunday. Like that's outer court worship to come to church. And your kids are like, I want to sleep in. Madden was telling me, she's like, I, every Sunday I want to sleep in. Why do, why, why, don't, why, don't, why do we go to both services? I'm like, because we're the pastors, honey. Like if I don't show up, it's going to be a little awkward, you know. I mean, come on. You know? So, so I, I said, so we get up early because it's our sacrifice to God. And I mean, you don't come to both services. Well, some of you do, but a lot of you don't come to both services. So your sacrifice is different than my sacrifice. But, but it's, this is where our sacrifice happens. But there's something else. God doesn't just want... You, you can sacrifice on the outer court and never actually experience freedom. You can sacrifice on the outer court and never actually experience the power of God. Just talk to some folks who have been going to church every Sunday all their life. And they're outer court Christians, man. They're, they're sacrificing, they're washing, they're doing all this stuff. And you look at them and they're like, oh, wow, they got their life together. But, the, but God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. It is from the heart that true worship emanates. It is from the heart that there's the second level of worship. There's the, there's the physical level, writing checks as tithing, lifting our hands, singing, all that stuff is lovely. But there's this inner thing that brings significance to all of that and makes all of that real. All of that would be wasted, by the way. You could kill a bunch of lambs. You could wash in stuff. But if you, if you didn't have something burning on the inside, <laughs> if there wasn't something burning on the inside, see, there's, oh, this is interesting. There's fire. There's, there's fire in both places. There's fire burning underneath the altar. The fire out here kills stuff. There's fire burning in the holy place, only this right here, this candle. And that's what I want to talk about, this lampstand. But that fire doesn't kill anything. That fire just illuminates. So, so, so the stuff we do out here puts things to death so that we can get in here. And when we, when, when we get into our own heart, I think some of us just need to journey into our own heart. Honestly, before you let... you. Like we, we talked about that at men's breakfast. You can't send God to a place that you are not currently there. So you can't welcome him into your, you can't send him into your heart. 
Like the stuff you're trying to hide from your own self, it doesn't work. You need to enter into your own heart to examine your own heart in order to welcome Jesus into the place that you have already examined. So, so we must, if we want the presence of God, if we want all of this to mean something, if we want all of this to mean something, if we want all of this to mean anything, it's got to happen right here. This here has to be burning. The fire out here won't work if the fire in here is not continually burning. And so I want to talk to you about the inner court. Now, obviously, Jesus' body is different. Jesus had three components. He had a holy of holies. That's where the actual presence of God is. That's because Jesus is actually God. He it has the divine nature inside of him. He is worthy of all praise and glory and honor and power and majesty and worship because he is God and man at the same time. And so what I want to do uh, for the next few minutes is I want to look at that candle, that lampstand. This is, this is what God's doing inside of us. He's, he's doing stuff in the outer court, and that's lovely. But he wants to do something on the inner court. And by the way... The reason he's doing things on the outer court for some people is because he has done things for them in the inner court. And so I, so I, so, so I want to add some knowledge to what's happening. You're feeling things. You're seeing things. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I don't know. Well, let me tell you how we got here. <laughs> um, none of us are Pentecostals by birth. Um, we, uh, we tell you, well, uh, the, a couple of us, a couple of us are. But no, no. <laughs> But even she had to choose something, something too. So anyway, you're not born into it. All of us start way out here. We all start way out here, and we, we enter in through the door of Jesus, and we come to a place of sacrifice, and we recognize his sacrifice for our sins, and we submit to it. We come under the blood. We give up our own self-righteousness. We give up our own need to prove ourselves, and Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, and we put our faith and trust in him, and then we are washed in the word, and this is a continual washing. Um, and then there's this transition into the next level where God wants to turn to our hearts, and he wants to examine our hearts. So we're going to, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different articles in the holy place. Today we're going to look at what's called the menorah. Um, it's this lamp right here. If you can put a picture of it, like with the blue background. Yeah, yeah. So it's so pretty. Um, it is. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's the, it's the most phenomenal to me, the most phenomenal piece within the whole tabernacle. Which is weird because you would think the holy of holies with the, with the Ark of the Covenant would be the most important. And I think technically it is. But this one, God said to make this one, and if, if you want to read the scripture, I'm not going to take time, but Exodus 25, 31 through 40, God gives the whole, the whole deal. Um, yeah, we're not going to take the time to do that. But if you want to do it, I was throwing it out there. If you want to do it, we will let you do that in your own time with your own Bible. Uh, but for, for now, right now, I'll, I'll, I'll just summarize for you. God gave specific instructions on this. Man, they're on top of it back there. This is bam, bam, bam. This is ready to go. Uh, God gave specific instructions on how to build this thing. And he said, actually, he told Moses to use a talent of gold. A talent in today's weight would be about 94 pounds of gold. Let that sink in for just a second. 94 pounds. Right now, gold is around 1,500 an ounce. $1,500 per ounce. That means this menorah at 94 pounds, 82 to 94, depending on how you measure it, would have been worth over $2 million. Like, yeah. You guys thought my four little lights up here were expensive. No, no, no. Like, we didn't even, we didn't even, we got, we got, 
we got LEDs, you know. These things are going to last forever. But this menorah that God told them to make, can you imagine God's talking to a, a guy in the middle of a desert leading a bunch of slaves? And he's like, okay, so um, I want you to use 94 pounds of gold on this piece. It, this piece has more gold on it than any other piece in the entire tabernacle. God lavished more value. Which is interesting because of what it symbolizes. You, you can know God's heart when you see how much value he put on this thing. Pure gold, 94 pounds. It was about four and a half to six feet tall, depending on which rabbi you read. It's huge. 94 pounds, $2 million in today's stock market. I don't know about 3,500 years ago. I imagine inflation has affected a few things. Oh my goodness, these are peasants in the wilderness and God's like, all right, get together all your gold and let's build this, this, this lampstand. Let me tell you, if you don't think that God cares about your heart and your interior life, he dropped, he put the price tag mighty high on the stuff that nobody would see. That's the thing. In the holy place, only the priest went in. Nobody's going to see this. Lord, why don't, why don't we put the gold on the outside to really impress everybody and we'll get the copper stuff and put that on the inside? God said, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, uh, almost 100 pounds of gold for one article in a place that nobody's going to see. But God will see. And the priests will see. And the, God wanted the priests especially to see something when they stood in front of this. Because every morning and every night they would come stand in front of the menorah. And they would, they, they would, they would get it ready because it had to burn all night every night. And so they're standing in front of this thing. I mean, that. Like, they stand in front of that. And he wanted them to not only do something, like light the flame... Because this is the only light in the holy place. The whole place is closed off. It's got a roof. It's got walls. It's dark. This is the only illumination. And this is the fire of God in your heart. It brings illumination. It brings revelation. It brings wisdom. It brings knowledge. And this is what he wants. He wants to shed abroad the light in our hearts. He wants to shine it. He wants to let it shine. And so, and so not only that, but he wants it to be a symbol of something. And so when the priest would stand in front of this every single evening and every morning, he would stand in front of it and he would, he would dress it. He would get it ready. He's looking at something. He's actually looking at a shadow of Jesus. Like he's looking at a type and a shadow of Jesus. Because Jesus, well, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And you might notice this thing is built in such a way that it is intentionally supposed to be like a, a bush. So, so I will read this, uh, just one quick scripture. Uh, it says, make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base, and make it have flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms. The whole thing is one piece. There's no attachments, there's no Velcro, there's no plug it in. It's, it's all one piece. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side, three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers. He gets really specific with the type of flower. This is interesting. This is the only tree-like structure in the entire holy place, which is interesting because in the book of Revelation, there's another tree like structure in another holy place but 
I just think it's connected. And it's this, this is meant to look like a bush. He specifically calls them branches. He calls them flowers. He calls them cups. He calls them buds. And so I have a, a couple of points for you today. And the first one is that God wants to take us from bud to branch. God wants to take us from bud to branch. So I don't know where you are today. You might be a bud. That's, that's, that's in, an, in an almond bud, that's the almond and the flower all wrapped up in one thing. And the truth is many of us come to God that way. We come all wrapped up, all concealed because life has been so brutal we can't trust people to open up. And so we have created a cocoon, a shell around us. And God said, look, I know this is the way this works. And not, not only is that the way life works, that's the way God builds his kingdom. Look back at the menorah real quick. He told them where to place these cups. See, the, the, the cup and the flower and the bud, there's to be one at the base of it, down at the bottom. And then there's to be one every single time these branches shoot out. So each branch is to have three flowers and buds, but the center branch, or the, 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 the trunk of it, if you will, is to have four uh, flowers and buds. One at the bottom, which starts the growth. And see, almond trees back in, back in the ancient world were representative of the resurrection because it, almond trees are the first trees to blossom in the springtime, the first ones to come back from the dead. And so right in the center of this menorah, remember I said this is a picture of Jesus, right in the center. Jesus, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the center of them. And so right in the center, the one that shoots up from the center, it buds first. It's the firstborn from the dead. It's the first one out. Uh, and, and, and it buds first. And it grows all the way up. And then he said, I want you off of that shoot, off of that to have these three on one side and three on the other side to have six branches. Six is the number of man. And seven is the number of God. And so right there, every morning, the priest is looking at a picture of Jesus because Jesus is fully man and fully God all in one piece. In one Peace, can't separate it, can't break it up into parts. He's fully man and fully God. By the way, this is not only a picture of Jesus, it's also a picture of the, his body or the church. Because Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And the resurrection that happened in Jesus then begins to happen in us. And so that the branches start looking like the vine. <laughs> the, they reflect the wonder and beauty of the, of the vine, the branch reflects what, the, what, what had happened in the vine. So what happened in Jesus starts to happen in us. And the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work inside of us, bringing resurrection life to us. And so it's not only a picture of, of, the, of, of the body, of the, of the physical Jesus, it's also a picture of his church. By the way, it's, it, it's interesting. The Jews, the Jews really, look, really look into all this stuff. It's, it's also a picture, uh, interestingly enough, of earth, uh, Mercury, right? Venus, and the sun. It's interesting because they, they kind of... <laughs> so, that, so that our relationship to the, the sun, the S-O-N, our, our connection to the sun brings life and light to us. The center trunk is called the servant branch because it's the one that bows down and washes the feet of all the other branches. It's the one that serves all the other branches. It's the one that holds them all together and gives life to them. 
so that everything we're doing out here is only significant because God has done something in here and we're receiving something from him and that's birthing something inside of us. Just like the buds, they receive stuff from the trunk and then it causes the bud to open up. And so God's calling many of you to open up. And that feels uncomfortable because you're used to standing in church all closed up. And God's asking you to open up. Sometimes just physically open up. Just your, just your arms. Sometimes opening your mouth. Sometimes literally just, just, just opening up. And what you, 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 you think it's opening you up to be more vulnerable. But it's actually the flower doesn't open to be more vulnerable. It opens to receive the light from the sun. So there's a new level of nutrition that you can only get when you open up. There's a, le- there's a certain level of growth you can only receive when you open up. You stay closed off. It, it, this is true in your human life too. Like in this, the, the baby that's inside of the mother's stomach, it'll grow to a certain level. But then it needs more nutrition than it can get through, 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 through an amniotic fluid and a little like, thing connected to their belly button. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they need something more than that. And so, so they have to come out of the cocoon that they're in. They have to come out of the shell. Every egg has to be cracked in order for the chicken to come. I mean, this is reproduced over and over in nature. And you're going to have to come out of your shell as well. You're going to have to, your, your heart's going to have to hatch. And I'm not saying you have to become extroverted. And I'm not saying you have to become loud. And I'm not saying, but I am saying that God draws us out of ourselves, not so that we feel embarrassed, but so that we can open up and receive a brand new level of growth. And so the flower opens up, afraid that it will be crushed. But on the right trunk and on the right branch and connected near the right sun, it isn't crushed, it isn't burned. Instead, it is, it is, it is blossoming. And so the bud to the blossom to the branch and this new growth happens. And what's really cool about an almond flower is that when, it, when the almond flower opens up, in the middle of the almond flower is something we call an almond. And you wouldn't even have mounds, candy bars. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You wouldn't even have mounds. You, you wouldn't have Hershey almond. There, you, you'd be missing out a lot. If those flowers never opened up. So what's interesting is we open up to receive from God. And we are not even aware that there's something inside of us. He's planted there to feed others, to bless others, to help others. And so we think we have to be perfect before we can feed others. If you never open up, God will never feed people. You feed people out of your openness and your vulnerability. You feed people out of your, out of your pursuit of the sun, out of your pursuit of God. Not out of your perfection. Almond flowers don't make a meal. They just open up. And God says, okay, while I grow you, then I'm going to expose something that all the world can see and be fed by and be blessed by. It's not just pastors. It's not just lead singers. It's all of us. We have something to give. We have something to, to give. And, and to give not, not just to God, but to others. And so it is from the holy place. It is from this place that God produces this, 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 this thing, this 94-pound pure gold candle lampstand. This lampstand is a symbol of the body of Christ and, and of the church. And, 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 and on top of each of those things, see the little platforms up there on top of the, the lampstand? That's why it's called a lampstand, because it's a stand for seven lamps. So each, each, each flat part would hold something similar to this over here. Uh, that's actually not the best representation, because in Scripture it says... It says that the thing on top of it needs to be a flower too. 
So it's supposed to be an almond, shaped like an almond flower. It's basically a little, little cup that sits on top and holds oil and a wick. So you can see here that that has a top uh, where you could pour oil in. And over here on the side, it's got a hole that you could stick a wick in that would basically soak in the oil. And then you light the wick and it draws the oil up and it burns the wick and the oil at the same time. That's how ancient, ancient lamps used to work. And this is what God says. I want a lampstand and I want you to make this really expensive lampstand. Then I want you to make golden little cups on top of each one. And this is why God made it of pure gold, because of what he values, what this stands for. This is not just the body of Christ, even though God greatly values his son. This is also you and I, this is the church, because he greatly values us. He put such a high price tag on us. It cost him more than $2 million to redeem us. And over, over, because when, when Jesus is talking to the churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, he says, I'm the one who walks among the lampstands. And he talks about the churches as if they are each one of those candles, one of those lamps. He says, look, you need to repent or else I will snuff out your lampstand. Like, like it's going to affect your, 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 your lack of purity out here is going to affect your power in here. Because, because this, is, this is where we are seated with him in heavenly places, seated, seated on the lampstand. We're seated with him. And this is where worship comes. This is where true worship comes out of. And so there's a couple things about the lamps that I want to talk to you about. So we have the lamp stand, but then we have the lamps. And this is, this is you and me. This is our heart. Because in the day of Pentecost, you might remember there was a mighty rushing wind that came blowing through the place. 120 wicks. I mean, people were hanging out there. <laughs> and they were soaking. I mean, praying. And, and, and this, this, this wind comes rushing through. And then this weird thing happened. The Bible says that there were these tongues of fire or these little candle-like flames over every wick. I mean, head. Every person. What's God saying? He's saying that, look, you can have church and then you can have church. You can sing a song and then, and then you, can, you can sing. You can worship and then you can worship. There's, there's something different. And, 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 and this is just the truth. This is probably why God wanted me to preach a shorter sermon at 11 o'clock. Because honestly, we talk too much. <laughs> just to be honest, I probably talk too much. I think all of us, we just, we just talk. We talk and we talk and we talk. We, our culture, my goodness, YouTube is nothing but people talking. They talk. They love their ideas. They are in love with all their talk. They just love to hear themselves talk. And, and, and Facebook, you know, what's on your mind today? How about you talk some more? That would be great. But no, we're, we, we, we are a generation that is constantly tweeting or talking or whatever. We're constantly expressing. And, 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 and even in the church, we can, we can have a lot of talking. A lot of, I can do a lot of talking from this platform. We can do a lot of singing or talking up here with like songs that, that's up on the screen. We can do a lot of talking in small groups. And we would connect and we have fellowship. We have relationship. And that's lovely. But, but, but there, there's, there's no power in our talking. There's no power in our counseling. And I do a lot of pastoral. My wife and I do a lot of pastoral counseling. And we see some people kind of get better, and that's lovely to see, and it's great. But, but when people actually get free is not when 
Pastor Harry and Roe, talk to them. It's just not. I've never seen anybody get free from talking to them. I've only seen freedom come when the anointing or the oil of the Holy Spirit is poured into a cup. And I don't know. I don't think that makes me Pentecostal. I just think that's just the truth. I just think the, 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 the oil is, is a symbol of, of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we're lacking. I think sometimes we talk so much because we have so little oil. We're trying to make up for the lack of power if we can just learn something. If I can just learn, if I can go to church and learn something. Well, that's lovely that you learn something. But by, I mean, goodness, you have so many notes stuffed in your Bible of all the stuff you learned and you've never acted on. And your marriage is just the same, and your kids are just the same, and your culture is just the same, your school is just the same, and, and the politics are just the same, and everything is just the same. If we keep talking, at some point we need the oil of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to learn. I don't need to learn anything new. I don't need Bishop Jakes or whatever. Like, I need the oil of the Holy Spirit. I like to fill me. Not to, not to fill me so that I can pour out to you. No, to fill me for me. That's what changes me. That's what, that's what renews me. That's what remakes me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me preaching to you. It's not, it's not a counselor. It's not prayer. Somebody laying their hand on your head. All of those things are good. But the whole oil, the whole thing is about the presence of the Holy Spirit. So even like yesterday, we had men's breakfast and ladies' breakfast was somewhere. You guys like had more people, but whatever. We had, we had men's breakfast. We had like six or seven guys, which is, you know, worth at least 12 girls. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, no, no we, had, we had six or seven guys, and it was, it was, there was more testosterone than 12 girls in that room, I'll tell you that. Right now. Absolutely. And we had some good talking, right? We, we met over here at Macho Tacos, and we had some great talking over breakfast tacos, and that was great, which is rare for guys to talk and open up, and that, that, that's cool. Talking about cars, talking about sports, talking about whatever. But, but, then, but, but then, like, before we went, I said, let's just, let's just share about, like, what's on your heart. How can we pray for you? We went, we went around the room, and that's when the atmosphere changed. That's when it changed, because you can have friendship and relationships, and that's lovely. But when, when, when people become vulnerable and they begin opening up, the Holy Spirit comes in the middle of, he is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of light. He is the spirit of illumination. And when we get honest and vulnerable and we submit ourselves to his light and we bring him into the conversation. A small group is nice, but if you only learn something, you have not attended a meaningful small group. The small group that I want to be a part of is the kind that we encounter the move of the Holy Spirit where there is oil flowing in that group. And that's when God speaks to people, and I don't even say anything. God's doing stuff, and I'm just, I'm just not doing it. Because, because in the holy place, there's no activity that is that important. Everything that's important is presence. It's dwelling. It's the, it's the glow. It's the glow of the candlesticks. It's not the lighting of the candlesticks. God never blessed the lighting of the candlesticks. The, the priest is just doing that to maintain the glow. Because within that place, it is far more important to soak in that presence than it is to, to complete, complete any task. And so we talk too much. We like the altar too much. We like the basin too much. We like all the stuff we can contribute. But true worship is to receive as if it was just for you. Each cup, the priest would, would stand in front of the menorah and he would grab the golden cup 
and he would take out the old burnt out wick with tweezers and he'd put that in a gold bowl and some of you have been burning for far too long on the same wick and you feel burned out and this is what God does he removes the burnt outness and he replaces with a brand new wick so that your strength is renewed with the morning so that you can keep serving without burning out you can be burnt up without burning out you can keep giving and still have something to give you can keep shining and still have something to shine and he removes the old burnoutness and he puts a new clean one in there but then before he puts the new one in he checks to see if there's any old oil and if there's any of yesterday's oil he dumps that out because yesterday's oil is not going to work for today it's just not. Yesterday's anointing. Yesterday's anointing is not going to work for today. The stuff that, that it was meant to be used the day that you received it. Which is why I'm telling you, you got to dig back in those notes and put some of those things to practice. Because it only works when it's used, when it's burned. It was meant to be used the day that you received it. And so last week's revelation was meant for you to put into practice this week. And if you put it into practice this week, you're ready to receive New revelation. And some of us, man, we got really old oil in there. We've been trying to recycle because it's Austin. And that's, that's lovely. That's great for some things. But man, for the presence of God, you can't recycle it. Even, even, even at City Chapel, we can't, we can't have a 9 o'clock worship service and an 11 o'clock worship service that are the exact same. I mean, we can. We can, but... but It'll, there won't be any, any oil. It'll, you, you know how to keep it the exact same? Dump out all oil and just set it there. That's the way. That's, that's the way to keep it the exact same. But if you're interested in something as organic and natural as oil, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bend and, and flow with, with, what, with, what, with what's burning in it. And so what he does is he dumps out all the old oil and he, and he puts that in a golden bowl and then he pours brand new oil in there. And I think that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. He wants from our heart for there to be this presence of the Holy Spirit burning inside of us. And he wants to pour out into the cup of our heart fresh oil. Not just the old stuff. You can sing the old songs, actually, the old hymns, but with fresh oil. That's fine. That's the outer court stuff. But the inner court is different. The inside of the cup is different. Which is what Jesus said. He said, man, you guys keep washing the outside of the cup, but you got this old oil in there. You've got to wash the inside of the cup. You've got to purify the inside of the cup because whatever, whatever the inside of the cup looks like, that's what the oil, that's what the oil looks like. And it's interesting that God would equate his Holy Spirit with something like oil. You know? Have you ever tried to contain oil? <laughs> it's tricky. It's really tricky. I mean, you put it in the wrong bag. You put it in a cloth bag. It just absorbs it. You spill it. You're, you're, you're careless with it. it. It just goes away. It soaks into whatever it sits on. And the goal is, and so that's why it's important that we carry it without flesh getting in the way. That's why we have to re remove all sin from our life. And that, that's, that's why we cleanse ourselves. That's why we ask God to cleanse us so that, we can, so that we can house the oil. But then after that, you know, after we've dealt with sin, turned away from sin, the next thing we have to get rid of is our own brain and our own way of thinking. 
can sometimes just simply receive. What if, what if everything that God is doing is just for you? That's what, that's what the Lord spoke to me this week. He said, what if, what if it's just for you? Sometimes I, I'm a pastor, so I'm so used to being filled up so I can give out and all this stuff. He said, no, I, I, just, I just like you. I just want to sit with you. I just want to dwell with you. I just want to fill you. Would you just pray with me for just a minute? And it's something that God can pour out during singing, but it's also something he can pour out just as we take the hands of somebody else and pray to receive oil. In fact, we have olive oil here. Um, let's, just, let's just do that. If you want to come be anointed, not even just, not even just be prayed for, just for you, uh, the prayer team just to anoint your forehead with a little bit of oil. Just as a symbol, as a type and a shadow of what God wants to do on the inside of your heart. We don't do this very often. I just feel led that there, some people want to make a response. A physical response to say, yeah, God, I want to be filled up. I may be running empty, but I want to be filled up. I may be low, but I need to be filled up. Father, we come before you right now. We just thank you for the oil of your, of your Holy Spirit. You, you desire. You said it is your good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of you. So we come before you right now. If that's you, go ahead and just step out of your seat. Just come forward. It's not going to take long. Just come forward and we'll anoint you in the name of Jesus with, with oil that you would receive just really a divine impartation of fresh oil from the throne room of God. That the priests, the real high priest, which is not a person, it's Jesus. He's our real high priest. That he would stand in front of us. We're standing as Jesus right now, just, just putting oil on the wicks. We're putting oil on the people of God. That you, would, that you would light a flame inside of us. That would illuminate our minds. Bring the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation to us, Lord. We want, we want to see the way that you see. We, want, we don't want to be in darkness. We don't want to be stumbling around wondering what you have for us. We want to see everything that you have for us. We want to see our own heart. We want to have revelation about what's going on in our own heart. And so, Lord, we receive all that you have to give. We receive all the oil that you want to pour out on us. And you want to fill our cups, Lord. We, we hold up our cups to you this morning. We, we choose to break out of our comfort zone, out of our shell, and open up to the sun the shining son of Jesus to, to re receive the health and the wholeness and the warmth that he has for us. Come light your flame on the candle of our heart. Come, come dwell among us, Lord. Let the warm glow of the presence of God be evident inside of us that we would shift and we would change our culture, that we would change those around us, those that are looking to us, that we would shine. And nobody lights a candle and puts it under a basket, but he puts it on a lampstand so that it gives light to all those that are in the house. You want, you want light to shine throughout South Austin. You want light to shine throughout this region. You are interested in, 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 in your kindness is so burdened by the lostness of people and the ways in which they are held captive. And you desire 
to show your love and to show your beauty and to show your glory to this area and to our friends and to our relatives and to our coworkers and to people that we are driving by in the street and cutting us off in traffic. You desire, Lord, to pour out so much oil inside of us that we would glow with your love and glow with your acceptance and glow with your pursuit. You are pursuing the lost. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge that this light, this knowledge would shine to everyone. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And and God said, let there be light, and that light was the life of men. And that light shone into the darkness. The darkness didn't comprehend it. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, to become the branches of the menorah, to become light themselves, to become light bearers and light sharers and light spreaders. So you, you adopted us as your children. Lord, light us up. Light us up that we might shine to this area. We might see Jesus reflected in our lives revelation, bringing, bringing truth and love <laughs> together, truth and love, and that it would continually burn, not just on a Sunday, that we would have enough oil to last times get darker. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said in the last days, it'll be like 10 virgins who are waiting for a bridegroom those you sort of have to understand the cultural context but those ten virgins they would be waiting for the party (laughs) that's what that's what being a Christian in these last days is waiting for the party And, 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 and and he said it'll be like these ladies waiting for the party waiting for the glorious appearing of our great God And because the way it would work is the bridegroom would would, uh, he'd propose to the bride and if she said yes, he would go back to his father's house and he would start building a house for her. If I, if I go, I will prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. He would go to his father's house and he would prepare a place for her. And when the place was ready, he'd leave his father's house and he'd come down to the bride's house and he'd pick her up and he'd lift her up and he'd take her to the house he had prepared for her. There were 10 virgins waiting for that experience. And to look at them, they all looked the same. All 10 ladies, they're just waiting. And Jesus said, actually, there's a difference, these 10 ladies. Because they're waiting, they're waiting. And it gets darker, and it gets darker. And so they, they have lamps, and so they light their lamps. And they have these little wicks, and they have this oil, and it's burning. And they can see, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And then the bridegroom just waits. I think probably the bride, actually, took extra long to get ready the church is taking a long time to get ready and so it just took a long time and the the the, the ladies out there their 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 flames start dying because they're running out of oil because everyone receives oil when they when they're saved they receive a portion of the holy spirit absolutely but only five of them half of them had more oil than they thought they would need only five of them got a refill around midnight five of them didn't and they ran out of oil and they said give us some of your oil and the ones that had oil said I can't share my oil with you it's mine I have to keep it for me 
And that's the truth of the Holy Spirit. He's your personal, only for you. I can't impart him. I can't give him to you. But Jesus can send him. 